Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Live and Learn with Daniel Floyd. I'm your host, Daniel. For those of you that don't know me, I'm a teacher and a family man, just striving to be better every day through open-minded conversations. If this is your first time listening, thank you for joining us. In our last episode, Shalina and I shared the story of our son William's birthday, the day he was born, and the day he passed away, last year on June 29th. In this episode, Shalina and I continue the story as we discuss the week after William's death. I have to say, there's a lot to unpack here. Unsurprisingly, this week was highly emotional and highly eventful for both of us. During our conversation, Shalina and I are able to discuss a number of things about our grief process, how grief looked very differently for each of us, how our friends and family were able to help us maintain our sanity during this time, but also how Shalina and I learned to better care for each other by giving each other space to process our emotions in our own individual ways. We also talk a little bit about planning William's funeral and the day that Shalene got to hold her baby for the first time. I have to say, one of the most amazing parts of this conversation is the part where Shalene and I were able to reflect on how this terrible experience actually served as an opportunity for us to strengthen and deepen our marriage. Somehow, through the trial and the pain of this loss, Shalene and I have been able to love each other more meaningfully and more intimately than was ever possible before. I want to thank you all again for joining us. Thank you so much to everyone who listened to the last episode and reached out to us with love and encouragement. We appreciate you guys a lot. I sincerely hope that you enjoy this episode, and I hope that hearing William's story can encourage you in some way. Let's jump straight into the conversation. Okay, great. Welcome back, Shalene. Hi. It's been only a matter of weeks on the podcast for listeners, but for us, it's been months since we've recorded. Six months, I believe. Yeah. So the last episode, we talked about baby William Mm -hmm. and his birthday and the whole saga that that was the day of. Yeah. We recorded that episode in January Mm -hmm. 23, and we are now sitting in June 23. Yep, it's now June 22nd, so we're getting ready to remember William's birthday next week. Mm-hmm. Is it Thursday? Mm-hmm. Next Thursday, so a week from today. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I think, I mean, a lot of life has happened in six months since we last recorded, um, but I think at the same time, like, one of those things is, like, we're feeling like getting back into podcasting. I know there's a lot of, like, teachery things I want to talk about, and I know... Obviously, for this episode, we still have more to tell about William. Yeah. And maybe kind of that, but also kind of about ourselves. Yeah. Uh, Mainly thinking about like the week after he was born and and all of that. And so I think for this episode, we just want to focus on the day after William came and and went and then kind of the week following. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean... We're going to be talking about him and remembering him and loving him for the rest of our lives. But I think for this specific episode, we just want to focus on like that. Continue telling the story, kind of focusing on the week after. Yeah. So, yeah, I think if I remember correctly, we left off the last episode with just kind of like how basically just talking about how like friends and family were there and surrounding us the day that William came and went and we were super duper supported. Um and we really only spent one night in the hospital. Yeah. Um, so William came and went on Wednesday. Yeah. 
and we just stayed Wednesday night to Thursday morning. Yep. And then we went back home Thursday afternoon. Yes, they discharged me Thursday afternoon after making sure that I could walk and shower and do the normal things. <laughs> All the practical Use life Use the bathroom. Stuff. I was so excited to get the IV out. I wanted that thing out, but they made me wait until I passed so many like check marks, which is safe. Like That's definitely, I'm thankful. It's but obviously their job. I was glad to get that out. And yeah, so uh, they discharged us Thursday afternoon Alan, Daniel's little brother, actually made it in from L.A. Um, Thursday. So he was with us at the hospital Thursday afternoon and, like, helped us pack up everything along with Emily. Yeah. And they, like, prepped our car and uh, helped us get everything down to the car. So, yeah, we made it home Thursday evening. Uh, I learned how to properly get out of bed and into bed and out of a car and into a car and all of that with a C-section, which man, if you've not had it, fun stuff. If you've had it, you know how fun. Yeah. That, that reminds, <laughs> I mean, obviously I haven't had a C-section, but I've had like minor muscle strains or whatever, where my, my abs or my core is kind of not up to what it, uh-huh. like up to normal function. It's like, you don't realize how much you use those muscles. Yeah, until you can't. Until you can't or they're hurting. Like yeah. I've had situations where they're hurting. And it's like, oh, just getting out of the car was like, oh, that really hurts or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. I don't want to speak for you, but I can I can only imagine. Yeah, but it's interesting because I also remember being like in shock enough hmm. that I was doing things that I probably shouldn't slash wouldn't have been if I wasn't in shock. Yes, such as like, I just remember when we got home or maybe it was the next day, Friday, when we went on an errand somewhere, mm-hmm. just like getting out of the car very fluidly without even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And then looking back and mean like, mm, mm, I don't think I should have done that. <laughs> Probably not great for your body. Yeah. But, but the pain meds and the psychological kind of trauma just kind of numbs that for a little bit. Well, and yeah, so we'll get into that. But Thursday evening we got home. I had some family here to greet us, but they went on a walk so that we could kind of come in and get adjusted and unloaded. And so that was nice because it allowed Daniel and I to come in and just like, it sounds weird to say, but like greet our house and just like walk through every area that had been prepared for William and just kind of like cry Um, yeah, I think that was kind of an interesting moment when that happened. Cause we mm -hmm. did, we like came into our home and I, I, I think I specifically asked our family to not be in there. Oh, okay. You went in before I did. I was in the car waiting. I, uh, yeah, I was like, I, I actually think I would like it if all of you guys weren't in the house and like, so we don't have to like, feel like we're hosting people right now. Mm. And and as I was saying it, they had already decided, like Shalene, your mom was like, yeah, we are already, we're going to go for a walk and we're going to give you space. And so we came into the empty home and even since then talking back about it, Shalene, like you refer to our house almost as like a member of the family. Well, weirdly, it felt like it in yeah, that point. And, like and you when still we, talk about it that way. When we pulled up to the house that Thursday, when we pulled in the driveway, I remember saying like, hi house, we're home. William's not with us. Yeah. Sorry. Right. And, and you still talk about it that way. And, mm-hmm. and you talking about it resonates with me and feeling similarly, hmm. which is just interesting. And I remember just coming home and just like 
kind of the bleakness of like, there's an empty home and there's an empty baby carrier Mm -hmm. and how we, we kind of took a tour of our house, which was interesting Mm -hmm. of like, we, I don't know what order we did everything, but like going into our bedroom Mm -hmm. and kind of just taking in the empty little bassinet bassinet that was there and his little stuffed animals that we had ready for him and Mm -hmm. coming upstairs and (laughs) which was a chore. I remember you asking me like, do you want to go upstairs? Cause I had just had major surgery and I was like, yeah, like I want to go. And so we like came up and came in here in the pod loft and like went in the nursery. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. It was just, it was an interesting way to come back home mm-hmm. to almost take a little silent or quiet tour of our home and just kind of begin to process not only the events that had just happened, but Mm -hmm. like process the spaces Mm -hmm. that we had prepared for him Mm -hmm. and the different parts of the home and, and how it's like, it was ready. Like the home was ready. Yeah. I was ready. You were ready. Yeah. And the home was ready. And that was the first thing that I really fell apart over after coming home from the hospital and really period. Like I'd held it together pretty well. Um, but the first thing I fell apart was realizing that I was so afraid that I wasn't ready, that I couldn't do it, that I, I couldn't be a mom. I wasn't ready to take care of a child. And then like, I fell apart when I, I remember saying to you like, Daniel, like our house was ready. Like my body was ready. Like I had milk coming in and like just all of this stuff. And I, and like, I was ready and now he's not here. And I just remember falling completely apart um, because how could I have questioned whether or not I was ready? Like we would have figured it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, <laughs> and I remember you also saying like, I was ready to figure it out. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, that was just, um, a very somber moment that we had when we came home. Um, and you mentioned also getting out of the car, which do you need to fix your headphones? Yes. They hurt very badly. Okay. Go ahead and do that. And I'll just, I'll just talk while you're fixing your headphones, if that's okay. Yep. Um, you were mentioning, um, getting in and out of the car and how you like had to learn that. Oh, I thought, sorry, technical difficulties. I thought these were the ones that you didn't like. I, I those fit over my ears better. I think. Oh, we can trade headphones. Can we pause and do that? Yep. Sorry. Okay, we got the headphones figured out. <laughs> yes. All right. Um, what I was just going to say is that you mentioned like learning, having to learn how to get in and out of bed in the car and stuff mm-hmm. post C-section. And and that's really a reference to Beth, um, who our nurse who taught you. She like taught you. She like gave you a lesson on like step right, by step <laughs> on how to how to do that. And Which so, I appreciated because I'm not the most intuitive uh, physical person. So the step-by-step of like, now put your arm here and now put your foot here and now pull yourself here was like, okay. Otherwise my brain just couldn't break it down, especially at that time. Like I could not. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. But anyway, I also, I also just want to give her a huge shout out. And I, Mm -hmm. I want to say this on this episode that, um, she was amazing in the way that she cared for you. I feel Mm -hmm. like, I mean, obviously the whole team, the medical team that was there, but Beth just really stood out, especially the, the morning after Mm -hmm. when we both, we both slept in the hospital bed together next to each other. And then at like whatever, 6am, 6.30am when she came in to check on you, it was just like, 
like what a eerie quiet morning to wake up to. It's like the morning after this like crazy day. And then it's just kind of like the eerie silence after the battle almost is what that morning felt like to me. And anyway, it was just like Beth was just there like, Hey, I'm here to check on you. And I was not moving. I was like, I don't know, pretending to be asleep, I guess. I was just listening, but not really moving. And just like, I just remember Beth talking you through like, okay, so the medical stuff and like there's going to be healing and like medicine and like t- like all the nurse stuff, but then also like reassuring your emotions and validating you and then talking about like how God is going to help you through this and, and the Holy Spirit is with you. And like just the way that she so gently and almost motherly slash sisterly cared for you and reassured you, um, really blew me away and really impacted me. So I was just laying in the bed next to you, just quietly listening to you guys talk to each other. And I was just, I was amazed by the degree of care and love that she showed you that morning, Yeah, the morning after we lost William. And so I just, I definitely wanted to mention that because that, that was just a significant moment for me to kind of witness secondhand. Hmm. Um, in the hospital. So, yeah, well, and I also want to say that like, yeah, our whole team was awesome and Beth was awesome. And, but I don't know if everyone who may listen knows that Beth is also a friend of ours right? Yeah, who goes go- to church with us. Right, right, right. So there is also that context that she knows us and knew spiritually where we're coming from. So she knew she could like say all of that stuff and it would be received. Sure. And I'm, I don't know to what degree she might handle all of that in a different situation. Sure. But yeah, she was awesome. Mm -hmm. And then for the weeks after, like she would make house calls. She'd come check on me. Yeah. She'd bring me a shower stool. She'd, well, maybe Patty brought me the shower stool. Anyway, I don't know. Like she just, she came and answered all my questions and she texted me regularly to check in. Oh yeah. Um, I know. So I don't know if we can kind of get into like the week after, um, I think one of the overarching themes is just (laughs) how different Shalene and I responded. Mm. I'll just, I'll just say psychologically to this, I mean, trauma that happened. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I like totally shut down and Shalene completely turned on. In yep. a, in a, it was pretty, it's, it's kind of comical looking back. Yeah. A I little, mean, you might as well laugh. Cause uh, what else are you going to do? It was a little funny, but it was also just like, yikes. So yeah, I don't know. So, I mean, if you can just kind of picture this. So like the days after, I mean, conveniently my summer job basically ended the day William was born was right. your last day. So I, I didn't think. really have to go back to work. Yeah. And obviously Shalene is off work, you know, maternity leave and then morning leave, you know, (laughs) bereavement, bereavement. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. There's a word for that. Mm -hmm. Yes. So anyway, so we were both off work. Um, I'm sleeping like nine hours a night, Mm, 11 hours a night. Yeah. That's, that's more accurate. A lot of hours a night. I guess nine is probably normal for me. Yeah. Um, I'm quiet. I'm very contemplative. I'm taking a nap during the middle of the day. Okay. Yeah. Multiple hours. Okay. I don't know if, okay. I don't remember all the details. I just know I was very just like quiet and like, okay, got to make dinner. Got to, you know, people are coming in to give us stuff. Got to do that. Just like got to attend everything, but just like very quiet, very contemplative, very Mm -hmm. reflective. Meanwhile, (laughs) Shalene over here is like 
beautiful mind. <laughs> uh, like I don't love the comparison, but he's not wrong. <laughs> yeah, if, if you've seen that film, I mean, but he has schizophrenia. But anyway, um, Shalene is like sleeping mm-hmm. an hour and a half a night. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, like in, some nights in chunks. Yeah, some nights I would maybe sleep an hour and a half, and that would be it. Other nights, I don't think there was any night where I didn't sleep at all. Ooh, it might've been close. And then other nights I was able to do like, yeah, a chunk here, a chunk there. The longest stretch I did at all was like through, well, there was one night where I did get six hours and I was like, I feel like a new woman. And I thought I'd like hit a new spot, but no, it was still a few nights more before I actually like hit the wall of exhaustion and like fell to the ground dead and then slept all night. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, but leading up to that point, it yeah. was like not only was it not sleeping, it was like organizing everything and yeah. you like okay, I got all the highlighters and the pens from the house and you like had a shopping list and a to-do list and a, I'm going to yeah. take my medicine at these times of day yeah. list and like oh, and these are people I need to get back to and write thank yous to for caring for us in this time and da yep. da, da. it was just like hyper administration yeah. and just like, I'm going to keep a note of like all of the stuff I'm reading in the Bible and the things that are speaking to me right now and da da da. And like the corner of our living room just like slowly turned into like this administrative command center of like a little pouch of Sharpies and highlighters and notepads and pencils and then your iPad and a drink spot and the other drink spot and your laptop. And just like, it was just like hyper like I am on and I'm just like I'm dealing with life right now but also you have to realize I'm an efficient person to begin with right so when I'm an efficient and an efficient person who's been traumatized who can't move easily you know how much work it takes to get off the couch and go get your drink so you put it next to you you put everything you might need for the next six hours within arm's reach right so I had a pretty good setup. Yep. Yeah. So, so yeah. it was all logical and all made perfect sense. But also I was, I could not shut up. I was like oh, all I over for, the place. I forgot. Like you were just talking nonstop. Yeah. And then people would come over to check on you and you just talk to them for two hours. Yeah. Um, like what, which was fine. And sure. You it's know, how I needed to process. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of like yeah. our natural personalities and tendencies got turned up. Right. So you're naturally more melancholic and introspective and sleepy. Sure. And that like got turned up. (laughs) I am naturally more sociable and administrative organized and energetic. I don't know, maybe. And that got like turned up. So like I was extra like, I just love all my friends and I want to talk to you and like want to be around you and you love me so well. And like, ah. yeah, yeah. Which, which was good. And, um, you might, I don't know. Do you want to talk about the morning that Ruth and Patty came over? I feel like that was early on. That's the, that was the 4th of July. So do you want to talk about the funeral before that? Okay. So, and that's another thing I wanted to mention. So we, okay. We should talk about maybe a little bit leading up to the funeral. We don't necessarily need to talk about the funeral because that it's on YouTube. Yeah. The, the, the services. Yes. And I'll link it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, okay. So we came home Thursday then Friday. I forgot about all the turnaround. It was like, yeah, it, and that was one of the sick things Here. about this is like the day after it's like my child just died yesterday and then it's like, okay, so we got to like plan a funeral. Yeah. And so that was annoying. But that I also insane. have to say my parents honestly carried most of that. 
mm-hmm. in terms of a lot of the logistics and the grave site and the tombstone and like all of this stuff. And, and my parents were such an amazing blessing in that regard. And I mean, they lost their grandson for crying out loud. So yeah. they had every right to be hurting and mourn and, and all of that. But, and but they, they were, carried a lot of those logistics. Yes. But I think similarly to how like personalities got turned up, I think your mom is also very administrative and likes to like complete tasks yeah. and do the things. Yep. And so I think allowing her to like and your dad to go research like options for funeral stuff and cemetery stuff and headstone stuff like gave them something to do. And that was a way that they could like grieve and care for us. And yes. And feel like they were doing something. Which they were. Yes. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So Thursday while we were still in the hospital, we were picking out his headstone and the engraving and like deciding when we were going to have the ceremony and the burial and deciding on funeral announcements and the whole like little card they give you and mm-hmm. what is that even called i don't know the memorial card or whatever obituary no there was that too but the little card that has this picture that you get when you go to the funeral oh whatever that is called not the program sure but it didn't have a program on it it's just a picture anyway that okay figuring that out <laughs> and like just all those pieces so that was thursday and then friday we got home. I slept all right, but we were planning to sleep in and we did sleep in until we got a call from the funeral home right. that said we were expecting to go there in the afternoon and like see William and dress him and get him ready and like take our time after we had slept in. Well, we get a call from the funeral home at 11, which woke us up okay. and or around then. And the gentleman was like, Hi, I don't know if you're planning to come and like dress your baby and stuff, but if you are, you need to come now because I have an appointment at one. So if you want to come see him and get him ready, you need to come now. Yeah. And we were like, ah, coming. And so I didn't shower or anything like we just got ready and we were over there by noon. Um, And you still hadn't seen him since. No. In person. I hadn't seen him since. Which is I brushed his hand. Wednesday at the hospital before they took him to Columbia. Yeah. Yeah. So being able to like see him and spend time with his body, like as soon as we walked in the back room, which was morbid, man, it was the casket room and he was just hanging out in there. Yeah. They just, yeah. But he was dead and it is morbid and yeah. Yeah. (sighs) So anyway, but as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh my gosh, give him to me. He's adorable. And so I picked him up and he fit. I love the memory of having him in my arms because he fits so perfectly. Oh, man. Yeah. It was good. And he had his cute little beanie hat on. Yeah. That Hema had made for us. We dressed him in that. Okay. Oh, right. He had the hospital swaddle blanket that had the little tigers on it. Right, right, right. And then a little, like cap that was like cream colored or something yes and so then we undressed him and i looked over every inch of his body except they had like taped his diaper on Mm -hmm. and so i like started to untape it but i could not get it off and i was like well i know you're a boy so that's cool (laughs) no regrets and so then yeah we just like really poured i forgot we dressed him in his yeah his blue then we put on a blue swaddle yeah and his cap that Hema made him, mm-hmm. crocheted him. And we, yeah, we decided we didn't want to put him in an outfit because that just didn't feel right. Like a baby that little, like, yeah, they might wear a sleeper, but like, I don't know. 
they just what honest like literally the the idea that was going through my mind because at the hospital in Colombia uh-huh. after he passed away the lady offered clothes we're like hey we have some baby clothes here or a onesie like if you want to dress him you can uh-huh. and I said I said thank you so much I said I would like to leave him as he is uh-huh. um, and I, I don't know I just had like the idea in like Genesis mm where God is speaking to Adam and he says like from the ground you have come and like from you were made from dust into dust you will return. Yeah. And for some reason to me, it was like he came into this world Mm -hmm. naked and Mm -hmm. a baby and he already passed away. And so I don't know. It's like wearing clothes is something that the living do. Right. That's what we do as part of our life. Yeah. And his life had already ended. Yeah. And And so it it just seems like, I don't, I can't find better words. It seemed like poetically inappropriate. Yeah. Well, to clothe him after he had already died. Well, and for me it was like, yeah, clothing at least if nothing else is an introduction to life. Right. Like if he had lived, like we would have, we had the clothes ready for him. We had outfits. I had like five packed cause I could not decide and I didn't know what would fit him. Plus yeah. I really wanted to put them all on him actually. Um, we, we have so many cute clothes. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. But like once, once he died, I was like, no, like none of these, that's not, that's not how this is supposed to go. Right. And it felt like he was too innocent to introduce into like the world of the living like he was too innocent and he was gone already. Yeah. I yeah. just remember both of us. Cause your mom was like, do you want like a little suit for him or something? And we were both like, no, like right. we're just gonna put a swaddle on him. Yep. And yeah. Well, I'm glad you felt that way. Yeah. yeah. I just, well, and that I was a theme that, which was so cool. Just really, I don't know. I really felt like it was a God thing that so many of the things without communicating, we were on the same page. And decision-making was just fluid. Yeah, very smooth. And just completely, it was really amazing and really beautiful of just, and so encouraging of how our hearts throughout that week following, like all of the funeral decisions, all of the emotions, like we were just, I felt like we were on the same page. And even though we were grieving extremely differently, there was a peace and there, there, and there was a harmony. Yeah, a harmony and and like space. I knew you could grieve like you needed to. I wasn't mad at you. I wasn't super missing you. I wasn't like freaking out. Like, I don't know. There was just space. And I knew that other people could take care of me and that you were taking care of me. And so it was okay. And I feel like you afforded me that same space. Yeah, I because, I, yeah, and I... I wanted to defer to you as much as I could, you know, oh. just, and all of that. And it wasn't until maybe a little bit later, a week later, when it was like we kind of had the blow up, and it was like Daniel, you need to take control. And I was like, okay, but we can get to that in a minute. But, yeah. But for the most part, just like, yeah, I do agree that we really worked to give each other space. Yeah. And I think we did that in the most healthy way that was possible. Yeah. Well, and it was just so encouraging because that whole first week specifically was just so utter shock. Like after a bomb goes off or something, there's just like the shock and the 
what do they call that? The shock blast, I guess. Blast shock wave. Shock wave. I don't know. Where just like for a while. The blast zone. Yeah. There's just like utter, like ringing in your ears, silence. It's just weird and disoriented. And that was definitely that first week. Right. Emotionally was like that. But I was so encouraged that in that, like when everything in me was on autopilot, Mm -hmm. even though it was like overdrive autopilot. That everything that was coming out was like good. Does that make sense? Like when I couldn't control who I was or what was happening, my default was like trying to be as loving to you as possible. And my default was like, okay, I can't sleep. So I'm just talking to God all night long. I'm just reciting scripture to myself all night long. I'm just like singing all night long. Like, And it was really kind of amazing and like just humbling and like, um, thankfulness inducing to be, cause you always hear the cliche or the saying of like, well, you don't know what's inside until it gets squeezed. Like what's inside really comes out until life puts pressure on you. Yeah. And just seeing that like, oh, like this, like cool this is what's really inside really deep and like praise comes out when I'm squeezed. Like, okay, (laughs) maybe not seemingly most appropriate, but definitely like good. Like God is worthy of praise. Like, yeah, that was just uh, really amazing. Not something that I would ever be like, man, you guys should really go through trauma to figure out what's inside of you. Um, life, but, life will bring it to you. Yeah, but it was <laughs> encouraging it that when that happened, like that was the response. And that, and so then circling back, like that marriage wise, sure. I think it really showed the strength and the unity in our marriage, even though at the time we'd only been married a year and a half Mm -hmm. because when we were pressed and pressured, we came together and loved one another and gave space. You know what I mean? Like it just tested all of the things and really just showed the gold that was there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I don't want this to sound like we're bragging on ourselves, but like, I think the same time, like, I feel like we can be proud of, of how we handled ourselves. Yeah. And, and I don't want to take all the credit for it. It's funny you bring this up. Cause I was literally thinking about this this morning. Oh yeah. I was listening to the song or the hymn "Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, mm-hmm. which is one of the songs from the funeral that we sang. Mm-hmm. Um, we did the Shane and Shane version, which is phenomenal if you want to go listen to it. But Today, before, you know, before we podcasted, I was listening to that song and there's the verse that says, I'm so glad I learned to trust him. Mm-hmm. Precious Jesus, Savior friend. And I know that he is with me, will be with me to the end. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that verse kind of encapsulates mm-hmm. our mindset and our attitudes the week after William came. It's like, yeah. I'm glad I learned to trust Jesus before this, before this. Yeah. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and we had, I had several conversations with people mm-hmm. kind of after of like, yeah, the whole thing of like your parents raising you to trust God and the whole thing of you being like being serious about your faith. And I don't know. I don't know. Just the way I was raised and I'm sure the way you were raised at your church, you know, it's, it's like, 
following Jesus should be a life, a completely life-encompassing thing. Yes. And nothing in your life is out of bounds for being submitted to Jesus. Right. And and the point I'm trying to make is like when your upbringing in that regard is not just to be like, I'm a good Christian or whatever. It's because it's that depth of relationship with Jesus Mm -hmm. and that depth of faith is what carries you through these storms. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that you can't learn that through the storm. And I'm sure there's plenty of people with stories and plenty Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. testimonies where it's like, oh my gosh, my world got rocked. And like, I realized like, I need a stronger foundation Mm -hmm. in my faith and I need a deeper relationship with Jesus. And, and, and that's good too. And I don't want to minimize that. That's definitely, Mm -hmm. but there's also something to be said for like you and I had already, Mm -hmm. we've already signed the, signed the contract, (laughs) put me in. I'm following Jesus no matter what, Mm -hmm. like you made that decision personally as a teenager, I'm sure. Yeah. When I was like 12 is when I was really like, yo, I'm all in. And I did too. And that's not, and and even more than that, that's not a decision you make one time. No, it's a continual, like I can mark like then when I was 15, then when I was 18, then just just at every stepping stone and you realize there's more to surrender. It's a decision. Okay. I'll give you that too. Right. Right. So when we found out we were pregnant, okay, I'll give you that too. So then when William died, I was like, well, guess it was good. It was all to yours. (laughs) Right. So I guess what I'm making light. No, you're fine. I'm just saying like when you live a lifestyle Mm. where everything is surrendered and submitted to the Lord Mm -hmm. Jesus, Mm -hmm. there's actually a security and a safety and a trust that is there in the time Mm -hmm. of chaos and terror and trauma and tragedy. Mm -hmm. Um, The name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and are safe. Exactly. Yeah. And so, well, and it also makes me think of in Psalms how it talks about like, he's like a hen that covers you with his wings. Right. Like, and you, and just all of the shelter analogies that are throughout the scriptures. Like that's just very, yeah, I hadn't really thought about that. Interestingly, in this context, (laughs) I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it. Like it's felt crazy, but really when you look at it, like, no, he's very much been there surrounding us bringing comfort and shelter and a refuge mm-hmm. from the storm. Yeah. 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 And yeah. And so the funeral was great and <laughs> um, it was very good and, and positive. And I, I spoke during it and yeah, our, our friends, our friends, John and Bethany led the two worship songs mm-hmm. and they did a phenomenal job. And it was, it was great to be surrounded by friends and family and people drove, you know, they found out like two days before and then drove six plus hours, some of them yeah. to come be there with Grandma us. Grandma and Grandpa Floyd drove from Tucson like over 24 hours. Oh, okay. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. And they were there at the funeral yep. and, and so in a weird way. And Aunt Janet. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think she flew out. Um, oh, did she? Cool. Reg- Still. She came. Yeah. Um, and Maya and. Aunt Karen. Mm-hmm. Anyway, all of our Southwest family. But like, just in the midst of the tragedy, there was blessing. It was mm-hmm. a blessing to realize how much of a family and a community that we have mm-hmm. that like, I don't know, I don't, I didn't necessarily seek it out actively or deserve it, mm-hmm. but we're just 
blessed to have people that love us Mm -hmm. and there's no strings attached Mm -hmm. and yeah i i wish everyone in the world had that yeah because it makes a huge difference yeah and i was super touched to have so many people there who like could meet our baby and like see him and have some memory of him Mm -hmm. um but really when i thought about it like I remember realizing like, yeah, this is William's funeral, but these people don't know him. Like these people are here for us. Yeah. That's a good point. And that was also huge Mm -hmm. to just be like, yeah, this is his funeral. And normally at the end of someone's life, the people are there for them, you know, or like maybe for their family. Yes. That's definitely applicable there too. But just realizing that like we had like 250 people Mm -hmm. show up on like a day's notice, two days notice. And to realize like, wow, like, no, these people are here like for us. Like these people are grieving with us. Mm-hmm. Like they want to meet him and they love us. And that was just really huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And even to Ruth and Patty coming and talking to you yeah. for a couple hours at home. And so, and so, yeah, I don't know if you want to talk about that. Or- yeah. Yeah. So just timeline wise. So the funeral was on Saturday, burial. Uh, Sunday, we went to church at the end of church, believe it or not, we made it. Um, that was good. And we spent time with family. Then we Mon- went to church on Sunday. Yeah. You remember? No, we got, <laughs> it's funny. Cause it's crazy thinking back. Like we went to church. Well, and, and the things that we don't remember. Yeah. We got up and you said, you said, cause I asked you, I was like, are we going to church? And you said, we'll just take our time getting ready and we'll go whenever we're ready. Okay. So I was like, okay. So we like, listened to the service online on the live stream as we got ready. By the time we got ready, it was like 1145. So church was ending. Like we pulled up and we walked in as everyone was like dismissing. And so everybody was like, what are you doing here? Which in retrospect, yeah. Well, that's, that's my response right now. Like what were we doing? (laughs) Well, but I remember we just wanted to be with everybody. Like what were we going to do? Stay at home in bed? Yeah. No. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so, but yeah, definitely in retrospect, it is like, wow, boy. All right. That was a little crazy. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, so we were at church Sunday. Um, and then we spent time with family that evening out at Floydville and then Monday was the 4th of July. Mm -hmm. So that day I, oh yeah, yeah. We were home for that morning and that's when Ruth and Patty came over and they just kind of sat with me and they were so wonderful. And I actually recorded the conversation. And when I listened to it, I cringe because I was just so high functioning that like, I was like interrupting with like this insight and this helpful tidbit and this thing. And like listening to it, I'm like, Shalene, just shut up and listen to what they're saying to you. But I couldn't, like, I couldn't, I couldn't chill. Um, (laughs) But they were just so wonderful. And listening to it, I can only imagine what they were thinking because it makes me think like, oh, honey. Like, you're so not okay, but it's okay that you're not okay. You're not supposed to be okay, but oh, honey. So I can only imagine them sitting in my living room, like loving on me being like, oh, honey. Oh, it's, yeah, it's kind of hard to listen to, but I'm so thankful because like they walked me through like, this is what you can expect for grief. Like. I remember I entitled the recording grieving 101 
because it was like Ruth being like, you can't get around grief. Like you can try to shove it down, but sooner or later you're going to have to go through it. Like grief is not easy. Grief is not like, doesn't have a timeline. Like, and you just, and you don't win. Yes. And you can't, you don't get points for like, I did everything correctly. Right. That was one of them too. That like, you can't grieve properly. That was it. Like you can't. Yeah. And I, there's no correct way to grieve. Yes. I do. Like there are good and bad ways. Like you shouldn't go and like drink to like numb the pain. Yes. But like, but like, it's not like a game or like a class where like you get an A plus, yes. you know, like you need mm-hmm. to journal and you need to talk to people and you need to process and you need like, like a checklist right. that you complete and get an A plus Because for. at the time in my shock and hyper mobilization and whatever, <laughs> like that's where my brain was. I was like, what's the checklist? What can I do? How can I pass? How can I do a great job? Right. Like, what can I, and Ruth was like, babe, like just calm down. You just, and it was so great because I was at that time just like, you know, like I'm just seeing God's goodness everywhere. And like, I know this is hard, but like, wow, which yes. But Ruth was like, you know, and that's great that you feel that way. But like someday you might really feel like you're at the bottom of the deepest hole ever. And that's okay too. Mm -hmm. And, and if you know Ruth, like she's more like Daniel, like more melancholic, like good with sitting in those deeper emotions And so it was just really helpful to have her perspective. And she just told me, she's like, Shalene, this is a really hard thing. And you're going to have to walk through all of it. It's a really hard thing. But she encouraged me to not shy away from the depths of emotions or like the quote bad emotions that I normally would not let myself feel of like sadness or anger or, and she encouraged me instead to go to the depth of those emotions, to feel them and to invite God in and let him meet me there. And that was a really good picture. Like I still see the picture in my head, like me sitting at the bottom of a hole or like allowing myself to like dig deeper and deeper and then sitting there in the dark and like inviting God to come sit with me and show me who he is there at the bottom of that hole. Mm -hmm. Um, And she just encouraged me that like, if I didn't do that, I might walk away and get over this, get past it, get through it, whatever. But I would walk away with a misshapen understanding of who God is. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I would go there and invite him to meet me there and let him meet me there, I would walk away understanding more fully who the God is and whom I put my trust. Mm-hmm. And like, that was just invaluable and still is like now we're almost a year out. And like, I think about that almost every day. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. And I've re-listened to the conversation recording because it's been more beneficial just in all the months prior. Mm-hmm. No, after. after. Thank you. Not prior. The opposite. Yeah. yeah. So that was Monday and that was 4th of July. Mm-hmm. So then. Yeah. Well, let me share something. Yeah. Also is like, I think I have, I don't know. I think I have fewer moments to talk about mm-hmm. maybe than you do. Mm-hmm. And maybe especially like months following too. Mm-hmm. But like one of the significant things that I wanted to share is like, I feel like this might've been. Well, whatever. It was the week after. There was a time when I was just like reflecting on what had happened. And 
-hmm. for some reason, the river lullaby from Prince of Egypt was going mm -hmm. through my head. And I feel like this small little song that's like in the beginning of the movie, um, metaphorically like captures what was going on in my heart mm. and in my emotions. Mm. Um, and I ended up sharing this with Tony later in that week. Um, but I wanted to share that on here too. And for those of you that, that may not know, the song is really short and I, I wrote it down in my journal. It just, it just says hush now. Well, the context it's, it's Prince of Egypt. So it's the story of Moses. And it's like this, the song that his mom sings when she's putting him on the river in the reed basket. Yeah. In the reed basket to save him from the Egyptian soldiers coming to kill all the babies. Mm -hmm. And so it's this moment where she's giving up her baby. Mm -hmm. And for all she knows, he's going to die. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Like yeah. he's going to get killed by the soldiers. And so it's just like this last stitch effort to save him. And the best option she has is put him in a basket and float him out on the river and hope it works out. And so in that moment, as she lets him go, she sings this little lullaby. And if you don't know the words, it says, Hush now, my baby, be still now, don't cry. Sleep as you're rocked by the stream. Sleep and remember my last lullaby, so I'll be with you when you dream. And then it kind of, there's an instrumental part, and then she sings, River, oh river, flow gently for me, such precious cargo you bear. Do you know somewhere where he can be free? River, deliver him there. And that's the whole song, basically. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, that song was just really stood out to me, and I just almost identified with it. Mm. I mean, I can only imagine the like the heart-wrenching emotions that a mother would experience having to give up her son mm -hmm. in that kind of situation. Yeah. But somehow I felt like I was identifying with that. Mm -hmm. Like I had to let my son go. Mm -hmm. And it was out of my control. Mm -hmm. I couldn't keep him. And so when I thought about that song, it seemed like the river was like God's will. Mm -hmm. Of like, the river is bigger than all of us and it's flowing a certain direction and it's going. And my baby is in God's will, whether I like it or not. <laughs> And so well, whether he lives or dies, like, I'm not God. I don't get to decide that. But also, that. it's a fuller picture, too, because you're surrendering him to God's will. You're placing him in God's will. Like, we'd done that as soon as we found out we were pregnant with him. And we continued to do that the morning everything went down. That whole day, deciding to, like, turn off the machines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and that's that's exactly where I was going with it, of, like, like we have to just like we are called to voluntarily surrender our lives to Jesus as parents, we are called to voluntarily surrender our kids to his Lordship mm -hmm. and to his will for their lives. And I mean, we have ceremonies for that at church called a baby dedication. Yeah. And you know what? We had a baby dedication. Yep. You bet your bottom. <laughs> we had a very, very intense emotional baby dedication, but we had to give our baby to Jesus. And, and, and I wrote that in my journal. I said, Jesus, you can have my baby. And so that was me saying like, God, I surrender this to you and I'm not mm -hmm. going to be angry at you, mm -hmm. even though I don't understand. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the first part of that song where the, where the mom is singing to baby Moses in the movie is like my heart toward my baby of just like, 
be still now, don't cry, remember me, like just remember me as mm -hmm. you go. And then the second part of that song, the mom is singing to the river, river, oh river, flow gently for me, such precious cargo you bear. And I just feel like for me, that's like a metaphor of my prayer to God of like, Jesus, I'm giving him to you and I take care of him, yeah. you know? I'm getting emotional just talking about it, but like that, that's my prayer to God is like, God, I trust you. And, you know, I talked about earlier in this podcast, I'm so glad I learned to trust you. And like, this is where I have to really live that out. And yeah. so just like in that song where the mom is like singing to the river, I feel like that's my heart's song to God. It's like, God, I'm giving you my son. Please take care of him, you know, yeah. take care of him in heaven and hopefully I'll get to see him one day. And so, I don't know, that was just uh, an emotional moment for me. And I felt like it was also healing too, because it gave like words and a picture to what I was feeling. Yeah. Um, I actually forgot too in the movie at the very, very end of the song. Um, who's the girl that... Miriam? Is it, is it Miriam? Yeah. Yeah, okay. The sister. Yeah, the older sister. She like follow, in the movie, she follows him along the shore. And then when she sees that, Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter saves him from the river. Yep. She sings this part of like, baby, you're safe now. Safe, may you stay. I have a prayer just for you. Grow, baby brother. Come back someday. Come and deliver us too. Mm. Um, and so loosely, I I kind of relate to that and being like, I'll see you soon someday. Mm -hmm. And so like in the movie, it's like, come and deliver us. And, you know, it's foreshadowing because it's Moses. Right. But it's like, there's kind of a loose connection for me of being like, I'll... I'll see you soon mm -hmm. someday in heaven. Yeah. And you said like, hopefully we'll see him, but like hope in the substantial way of like, we Pl believe we will see it, him planning on like, it. we know we will see him. Yeah. And well, and I'll also just throw this out there of like, you know, like, you know, as Christians, we talk about like doubting and, you know, is God really real? And is the Bible really true? Like, that's just a normal, normal thing process to go through as yeah. a, is what I believe true. Like that's hopefully everyone is thinking that. <laughs> yeah. But like, mm -hmm. yeah, but like, man, there's something that takes it to a whole nother level of like, <laughs> my son is actually gone. Yeah. I sure hope heaven is actually real. Yeah. Like I've believed that my whole life and I was raised to believe that. And I still believe that as an independently thinking adult, mm -hmm. but like it better like if it's not i've got quite like i don't know like i'm yeah. angry if it's not and i mean for now like i still have faith and i still have hope but like that was challenged in a very new and deep way mm -hmm. when we lost our son because it's like well what is, you know like what is the theology of babies die do they go to heaven like do do they go to some baby purgatory like i don't know <laughs> you know because like that's yeah, that's just not something that's, the that's not I what guess. scripture, I don't, well, as far as I know, I don't think scripture directly addresses that. There's no verse that's like, when babies die, they go here, or this is what happens. Mm. Um, but I would like to think that based on the nature and the character of God that, you know, and the nature of, you know, you're born with a soul and you're a full human when you're born and maybe even before you're born, but whatever. Anyway, you know, my, this is where my mind goes. Like, these yeah. are all the things that are playing out. And it's just like, I sure hope he's up there. And I sure hope I can see him someday. Yeah. Um, 
Well, yeah, but then it's yeah. trippy to think like, I, it's so weird because I like so badly want to see him and be with him. But then at the same time, like, I also don't want to die right now at 26. Right. Like, I hope that there's more life here. There's a And tension. so then when you think of like, geesh, we're talking potentially another Six, 60, 60 years. 70. I don't know. Like, I don't know how long we'll live, but like. That's a long time. Like, that's the first thing that hit me. Like, when we visited his grave, it just hit me. Like, someday I'm going to be a little old lady. And this grave is still going to be here. And I'm still going to be waiting to see my son. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's almost unfathomable. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Whew. Good stuff. Deep stuff. Yikes. Uh, But, yeah. So, 4th of July... We went out, instead of going and sitting with everyone to watch the city fireworks, we went out and sat at William's grave, took lawn chairs and sparklers Mm -hmm. and matches. That didn't work so well. (laughs) Do you remember that? Yeah, it was it was really it was really windy. windy. Yeah, so we, we did a great job. We made a little blind so that we could like light the matches and light the sparklers, and then we had a system going where once we got a sparkler lit, you better light that next one before it dies. Quick, babe, go. Um, Just keep the chain going. Yeah, so that was like good, and we took his clothes because of course I had multiple outfits for him for the Fourth of July. We were ready, so we like took those out there. Um, yeah. I just remember in the course of that week, you had asked me to take your phone and kind of like stand as like a guardian and be like, all right, we need to limit all the social interactions that are happening because Mm -hmm. like you were getting texted multiple times every single day to check in on you and stuff like that. Which I so appreciated, but I was just such an overload. Like I will never forget. Oh, is this where you're going with this? Well, I'm getting there. Okay, go. Yeah, but well, I'm just saying like in the meantime, leading to what we're about to tell of like, I did not realize like how much people were texting you. Yeah. And it's- I told you. There's nothing against them, but it was just no, like- No, it's because they love me. Yeah. You were just like, can you please just like take my phone and then you tell me what texts I need to know about. Yeah. And Daniel, you have the freedom to respond and like- uh, be my agent, so to speak, or yeah. whatever. And then I put something on Facebook of like, we love all of you, but please text me and let Shalene have some space. And everyone was like, cool, got it. Um, but then I was just like, there's so many texts. I Why are there so many texts? Like, the, like it was remember? overwhelming for me. When I gave me. it to you, yeah. there were 66 text messages on my phone unopened. Yeah, and and you were like, what the, what? And I was like, I told you I needed help. I had like none. I had like four and I responded to them and that was it. <laughs> well, but it was also like. I had no idea how different texting worlds we were living in those few days. Yeah. Until I had your phone. Well, because I keep in contact with, I guess, a larger group of people. Well, but it's not a lot when it's just day to day, like whatever. But then when something like that happens, yeah. I have a lot of people who are like, Oh my gosh, we got to find out and make sure that Shalene's okay, which mm-hmm. I really appreciated. But like all at once, it was a lot. It's manageable on a day-to-day basis when you intersperse conversations like every two months. Well, and when you're not or, going through a major tragedy. Yeah, there's that. But <laughs> so I felt so loved, but I also felt so validated when you took my phone and were like, what in the, and I was like, thank you. This is why I'm not okay. <laughs> One of the reasons. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely but not. It all yeah. kind of came to a head. Was it Thursday? Mm-hmm. 
of just like I don't even remember Tuesday and Wednesday. So that's fine. Just skip over. Yeah, Very little so sleep. Not great. I think this chapter kind of just ends on Thursday and so Yes, it does. Yeah. So it was basically just like Again, Thursday, people coming over to visit, people to check on you, bringing us food. The seventh. And then some people ended up like getting into good conversations with you. And like that kind of went on for an hour or two. And I'm sitting in the other room like, well, because I remember you being like, Daniel, I really need to take a nap. Please make sure I take a nap today. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you got it, Captain. I will help. Which? Nap time. And then you got talking to someone and then like just kept talking. And then kept going and then kept sharing and then you kept going. And I'm over in the other room like, well, Shalene's still talking. So I'm assuming that she knows she wanted to take a nap, but she's continuing the conversation. So she must be okay with it. So I'm not going to intervene, right? Because we're giving each other space. We're, we're letting each other like grieve and process how we need to. So Shalene's calling an audible and I'm rolling with it. Like that's what's going through my mind. What's going through my mind is I'm literally at the not okay level where I need Daniel to tell me what to do and make me do it because I cannot, I can't like, I needed him to help me take my medicine, which I do want to say I didn't take any harder medicine or harder drugs because I don't think that would have gone well. I just did Tylenol and ibuprofen and that worked great. Yeah. So anyway, whatever. Um, But I needed him to like help me do that. I needed him to be like, let's go to sleep now. I needed him to be like, okay, that's enough right now. Like, yeah. And I just, playtime's over. I didn't know that. So you didn't do that. So then, so then eventually people are out of our house. We've got some time. We're having dinner. And Shalene comes out of the bedroom (laughs) and she was just like, Daniel, I am not okay. And she was so mad. That's when the anger hit (laughs) up to this point. I'd not been angry. I'd been a little sad. I was mostly in shock and just like, you know, but God is good anyway. Like I believe him. I trust him. So for those of you keeping track of the stages of grief, we had not hit the anger part yet. Which by the way, (laughs) stages of grief are not really a thing. Right. It's more like cyclical and messy and all over the place. But anyway, 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 anger. Yeah. Hadn't hit yet. Oh, buddy. It did then because I was just like, it's the closest I've ever come to yelling to Daniel at Daniel. And every time we tell the story, I would say you were yelling. Really? Okay. We say, we do this every time. I say you're yelling. You're like, really? Hmm, you should see me when I'm really yelling. And I'm like, nah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather never, ever actually yell at you. And we've never yelled and screamed at each other. No. Ever. I'd prefer to keep it that way. Yeah, same. So, so, so this was very unusual for us. Yes. I just felt like I was very impassioned, like passionately <laughs> saying to you that like... I was just going off. I was like, why can't I like see my friend? And like, why can't, if my baby's not here, like, why am I stuck at home? Like, let's go somewhere. Let's do something. Like, why are we just stuck here? And I was so mad and just kind of like, what is life? Like, let's just do whatever we want because none of it matters anyway. And like, I was like, and why can't we go on a drive? Like, why can't we just like go somewhere and do something? And I'm just going to keep going until you say something. Why won't you say anything? Like, Because I'm just like quietly just like, all right, she's venting. Taking it all in. I'm going to let it give and her I, space. And I was like, <laughs> I need you to say something. Like, tell me what you're thinking. Like, I'm just going to keep talking until you say something. Like, I can't shut up until you tell me to shut up. And like, why won't you do something? And then finally he goes, get your stuff. 
get in the car. We're going on a drive. And I said, I will get my stuff and I will go on a drive with you. Thank you. And I grabbed my chicken leg and I grabbed my ice cream and I grabbed my box of tissues and I put my shoes on and I got in the car. <laughs> Do you remember? Yes. And it's just like, you had, you had your goodies and it was like, all right. And so I was like, through the course of the, what I would call yelling, I was just like, all right, time to be a man and take control because she is very clearly telling me. I needed you to. My gosh. I was like, check. You got it. All right, taking control now. Shut up and get in the car. <laughs> Which Daniel also would never, ever tell me to shut up. No, and I like, don't think I actually. That's not his language. He did not. I but I did. I was like, I need you to tell me to shut up. Yeah. And he was like, get your stuff and get in the car. And I was like, yes, sir. Thank you. <laughs> and like. So, yes. So I told Shalene, we're going on a drive. Like, we're just going to cool out and go on a drive. And then, like, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, I need backup. So I'm like, (laughs) in my mind, I'm like, we're going to drive around town. We're going to cool off. We're going to process. And then we're going to go to Tony and Patty's house because Shalene needs uh, a mom, a mom figure to, like, talk to. And I, you know, I could use a conversation to process, too. So, like... But yeah. I didn't say that. But like, so we talked in the car for a little bit. And yeah. Shalene vented. And, well, yeah. and I just remember you being like, you just have so many words. I don't know what to do with all of your words. Like, I'm sorry. And I was like, yeah, I don't know why I have so many words either. But, you know, I'm a verbal processor. So maybe like I have to get it all out to be able to sort it and then put it back in. You think maybe I have a lot to process right now? And I just remember us talking about that. And you mean like, oh, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Anyway, whatever. And so, yes, from my side. And I'll say something with that is like I was a little frustrated because I was like, Shalene, I feel like you're upset with me. (laughs) (laughs) Just keep talking. And you want me to do all these things. Mm. But all the things you want me to do are contradictory. And then you're mad at me that I can't do contradictory things for you. Yes. And then you were like, well, emotions aren't supposed to make sense. They're supposed to be contradictory. And I was like, I know that. Like, I know that emotions aren't supposed to make sense. But you're not allowed to get mad at me for not being able to follow through with it. Like, that's the part that's not okay. And you were like, okay, well, fine. (laughs) Yeah. It was a little bit of that. (laughs) Well, I think it was good to just, because, yes, I remember being like, is it not logical that I'm being illogical right now? Like, Yeah, and and I was like, yes, that does make sense. Yeah. But you getting mad about me for not, like, following, doing all the things, that's the part where I get frustrated. So Yes, and I think it was good to clear up that, like, I was not mad at you. Sure. I just had so much, and I just... You had to communicate it. Yes. So so. it was good. We did it. And then at the end of this drive, Daniel goes, okay, I need to go see Tony. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Whatever. Like, whatever. Mild gaslighting. Yeah. And so we go, (laughs) we drive over. I need to go talk to someone, Shalene. We're doing this for me. Why did you not just tell me? I don't know. I just default to like the non-conflict, non-head-on version. Interesting. And I don't know. I was just like, I'm not going to. I'm not going to be like, you need to go talk to someone. I don't know. I just. Which I guess I appreciate that. But. So So I was like, I need to go talk to Tony, Shalene. So can we, let's go to the ficuses. And you were like, fine. Yeah. I was like, fine. But then it led to more conflict because you remember we pulled up in their driveway and I was just sitting in the car and you get out of the car and then you come around to my side and you're like, are you coming? And I was like, 
no, I was going to let you go talk to Tony. And you're like, get out of the car. And I was like, fine. And so I like <laughs> rolled myself out of the car. Do you remember that? I do now. Okay. I keep yeah. forgetting that. And then we like rounded the garage. And as soon as we rounded the garage and looked up toward the house, like they were on the porch waiting for us. Yeah. And I just broke down sobbing as soon as I saw them because I was like, they're here for us and they care and they love us and they were waiting for us. <sighs> I just like went from anger yeah. to like sobbing. Yeah. I had texted them that were coming over. So they were waiting for us. Meanwhile, I had finished my chicken leg on the drive, blown my nose a lot and then still had my ice cream sundae in hand <laughs> as I'm sobbing, walking up their driveway. And, uh, yeah, so I sat and ate my Sunday while Patty talked with me. And we looked up the stages of grief because at that time I thought that it was applicable. But fun fact, just to educate people out there, it was it was apparently like a study done for people at the end of life. And they go through these stages of grief as they're processing like their impending death. Interesting. So that's the context for the stages of grief kind of thing. And so when you're grieving and actually I don't so even know. So it's not for all types of grief. Right. And I don't even know if with further research they found it to be directly ap applicable even in that context. But it's like hospice end of life care is the context Got it. for the stages. And other than that, it's just all it's over the place. Different situation. Yeah. But so we looked that up. Yeah. But anyway, oh, yeah. so we were at Tony and Patty's. I talked to Tony for like 30 minutes and then was like, okay, I feel like I've got out what I need to get out. And then like you and Patty talked for like an hour and a half or something. Oh, really? Like to me, it felt like no time passed. Yeah. So Tony and I like went on a short walk, talked. I was good. Oh, yeah. And then you guys went and played ping pong, well, didn't I, you? We started to. And I was like, Tony, I can't play ping pong right now. But okay, we just good. sat and, we like, just sat and talked. And it was yeah. just like, I, I'm I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> and Shaleen had, yeah. So Anyway, so then we went home. And I think that that was the wall that I was able to like hit and just get the anger out. And I'd not been sleeping. And so that night we went home and I was so tired. Like Daniel had decided we could read a book together out loud. And so he started reading me this story, which like started with like these baby birds hatching out of their eggs and new life and all this stuff. And I remember laying on your lap and looking up at you and being like, you do realize how triggering this is. Right. And you being like, yeah, I forgot. Let's just keep going. And I was like, all right, then. I just, yeah, so it was like this childhood series. It's the Guardians of Gahul, Which is if, great, if anyone way. knows that series about owls. But yeah, the, the series opens with like new baby birds hatching, and it's like a family, and there's babies. And it's just like, I'm reading this first chapter, and I'm like, ah, dang it. <laughs> and I was like, are you doing this to me intentionally? Like, I just Because my brain was still so not okay that I was like meta-analyzing all of it. Sure. Like, I couldn't just listen and enjoy the story. Anyway, so we're laying there and crying. I'm I'm crying, of course. And at one point, I'm like, Daniel, I need a tissue. Like, I need you to blow my nose. And oh, I, yeah. Do you remember this? I do now. <laughs> yes. I forget and, these details. And he was, he was like, okay. I was like, really? Yeah, like, fine, whatever. And he gave me a tissue and put it in my hand. And I was, and I was laying on the bed and, and I was like, no, like, I need you to blow my nose. And he's like, no way. And I was like, I can't. And I like lifted my arm up and it just fell back to the bed. Cause I was so exhausted. I was so exhausted. I mean, looking back, you had not, you'd slept like a grand total of like maybe 10 hours the whole week. Yeah. Something like that. It was not good. Yeah. It was not good. 
And I was like, I can't. And you're like, are you kidding? And I was like, no. And you're like, okay. So he (laughs) takes the Kleenex and holds it up to my nose. And I like blow and fill it up. And then, and then he's like, job done. And I'm like, no, I I need another one. And like, I need to blow my nose again. (laughs) And he's like, what? And I'm like, yeah. And so you put another Kleenex in my hand. I just. And I was like, I can't. And I tried lifting it up again and it just fell back down. And you were like. Okay. And so I felt like that was like the lowest point of me being like, no, I genuinely, as a human, am not capable of anything right now. I need you <laughs> to literally to care for me at this level. I kid you not, my love. <laughs> and and you did, but you were a little incredulous. When it comes to boogers and stuff, I was like Is this really necessary? (laughs) And yes, it was necessary, and I did do it. You did it. You did. It's just so funny. It's so funny looking back, because you were like, there's no way that you really, you really need me to do this for you right now. And I was like, I, I'm not kidding. Yes. (laughs) And you did. So slept that night. You slept the whole night. So then that was like, you proceeded to sleep like the whole night. Yeah. You crashed hard. I slept like a full eight hours and my goodness, I've never felt so wonderful waking up in my life. If you don't sleep regularly, you need to fix that ASAP because that is like (laughs) drug number one. I'm not kidding. Sleep is like, wow. It's good stuff, man. Sleep is a drug. Oh, it's beautiful. So good. Yeah, interesting way to put it, but yeah, that's fair. It's so needed. You it's, need it. I Every mean, time I hear scientific stuff that's like, yeah, sleep is important, I'm like, amen, preach. You <laughs> tell those people. <laughs> yeah, and so, and then you started sleeping normally. Like, yeah, you, you had from your there big on out. Ang- good. anger blowout, and then it was like, all right, okay, got that out of the system. Granted, that was the beginning of the journey. Sure. It was like a month out before shock kind of wore off, mm-hmm. but. I also yeah. remember going to see a friend the day after that night you slept okay just for a few like an hour or two and i said i was like yeah shaleen like exploded with anger last night and and they were just like oh good like oh yeah just because they know like that's a healthy thing to do like you need to get your anger out and it was just a very funny kind of response of like yeah shaleen really exploded last night and and i was and i was kind of like being like but it was good and they're just like oh i'm so glad to hear that like i've never heard anyone be like i'm so glad they exploded in anger but in a grief setting that's it needed a, to happen. That's a healthy thing to do. And so yeah. that was just kind of a funny thing. Yeah. Well, so that was our first week after we lost William. Yeah. It was just more of a roller coaster. Yeah. Um, yeah. And obviously there's lots, lots more to tell, but yeah, I it, think it's worth it. Yeah. That week is like its own chapter of the process. Yes. And so I'm, I'm glad we were able to sit down and, and kind of share that on the podcast. Yeah. It was so. good. So there are more chapters to come. We'll see how they unfold. We're definitely still in a chapter currently, and we'll enter a new chapter at some point as we try to maybe be pregnant again. Right. So that's a whole other thing. Yep. But uh, to be continued. <laughs> good. Well, thanks for talking with me, Shaleen, and yeah, I love sharing all this. I feel like this episode has been just a very up and down, which... <laughs> Makes it good. It's fitting. It makes it good. Yeah, it is fitting. Yeah. Good. Well, and thank you to all the listeners for tuning in. We we appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, I'm just going to throw this out because it'll be coming out like a little bit after William's birthday. We love people talking to us about this. 
So mm, I'm glad you said that. Don't like if you have questions or if you have thoughts or feelings or memories or impacted things, you know, like talk to us. We love that. Yeah. Uh, I know it's an awkward thing because you never know how people are going to respond or how to say things or whatever, but just like blunder on in friends. Like <laughs> it's, it's good. Just wait on in and see what happens. No. Yeah. But anyway, kind of. I guess the way I think about it, it's like, like how much is it like pe- we know psychologically people love to talk about themselves, but parents also like to talk about their kids. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, you've got kids like, oh yeah, so-and-so is doing sports and so-and-so is playing this instrument and so-and-so is getting these grades and da-da-da. like kids, especially grandparents. I find that like, even though our son is not with us, we're still the same way. Yeah. Like we love to talk about our kid. Mm-hmm. And so even though he's gone, I kind of want to just second what you just said of like, yeah, we love talking about our son. Mm-hmm. And even though it's sad that he's not here, like we don't want people to feel like they have to walk on eggshells or, yeah. or not bring it up because you're just going to make us sad. It's like, no, we're, we're going to be sad in our own way, in our own cycles and timing. Anyway. Anyway. So you might as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, and... And it doesn't always come up in every conversation. Like we can mm-hmm. have normal conversations mm-hmm. about it too. And we love talking about it. We love talking about William. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because yeah, we, we welcome that. Mm-hmm. Good. Yep. Great. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Yep. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Bye. Bye.